1: Sofrep.com, on time, on target. Uh, before we get into this episode, just wanted to address something really quickly. You may have noticed that I changed around the intro you're hearing behind me. Uh, you, you may have heard it on the last episode and what you're hearing right now. Uh, Jason Delgado resigned from doing the podcast earlier this week. He's working on some other endeavors. Uh, I believe he might even be doing some stuff at SoftRep TV in the future. So he's still part of the family here. Uh, but for now the podcast duties will be myself and of course after a very long hiatus shooting um, the show on Nikola Tesla for the Discovery Channel Jack Murphy will be back and I know he's been greatly missed not just by you guys but by myself as well I love having him in here I love hearing his expertise so in a couple episodes you'll be hearing from him Uh, with that going to get right into this episode. Really great having another in-studio guest uh, for the first time, Jared Ross, Green Beret Weapons Sergeant, who currently runs Rockwell Tactical out of Central Pennsylvania. Let's get right into it. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ian Scotto here. I'm in studio for the first time with Jared Ross, uh, who's a veteran of the Army and were you saying Marines or... No. I, okay. No. You just, just know me. a lot of Marines.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I no,
1: know a lot of them. So you have... Your background is really as a Green Beret weapons sergeant, but you've done a lot more than just that. Um, so the first thing actually as we're live here, and by the way, if for those checking out the video, please like it, share it. Um, we're going to cover a lot of great stuff here. But yeah, the first thing I think would be getting into your background. This is my first time meeting you myself,
0: so... Okay. Okay. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, Southern Pennsylvania in, in Lancaster County. Uh, I, I had a pretty normal childhood. I thought my, my grandpa bought me a BB gun when I was five. Uh, I had a 22 rifle when I was 12 and hit all those you know good earmarks growing up as a kid. Um, I uh, always wanted to join the military, but I every time I went to go and talk to recruiters, honestly, it just didn't feel right. Something I always wanted to do, but it just didn't feel right. So I started doing other jobs, and I eventually started working for for UPS. And we're talking about like what age uh, this is at at this point I was an old man I was uh around twenty five when I started working for for u p s okay um, so working for u p s uh, met my future wife and uh, I was fast tracking there's a there's a manager working for them in, in Lancaster when uh now as an old man at the age of of twenty seven nine eleven happened and that same feeling that was telling me, nah, don't go in. Now is telling me, now's the time to go in. So I felt as my moral obligation as a citizen to go enlist and go shoot people in the face. <laughs> and uh, that's that's what I did. I went to the 82nd Airborne, and I was only there a couple of months before I did my first deployment to Afghanistan. And that's where I first experienced working around you know soft guys. And uh, that was had some really cool experiences there. Six months after that deployment, I was in Iraq again with the 82nd and had had tons of fun and then uh after that when i got back from that deployment is when i tried out for went the selection sf selection got selected and spent the rest of my active duty time you know there in, in in special forces
1: did you have that dream of being a guy who goes into soft like a lot of guys do or was it just you wanted to be in the military
0: uh i wanted to i wanted to serve and you know, i've always wanted to be in the military um and that was just the right time for me when to go in um and I always wanted to, to challenge myself and, and try a little bit harder. Uh, I really have a nice warm spot in my heart for, for UPS because I told my boss, hey, I need to go in, and he told me, you've got four years, so we'll, we'll hold your job for four years, go do what you need to do, and after being with the 82nd for about two and a half years, you know, with those deployments that got under my belt, I decided, you know, I, I need to try out. I'll kick myself if I don't try out, so then after I was selected, I was like, well, I guess I, I got to do this route, so then I, you know, I stayed in for, for a while and and had a lot of fun. I went to fifth group and yeah. had a lot of fun there.
1: Yeah, that sounds like one of those things where it's just like you don't want to live with these regrets if it's something that you really want to do with your life. Yeah. So uh, just right after 9-11, it was the type of thing where – because I've heard a lot of guys on the show say that type, that same type of thing where it was like this is my time. i got to do it.
0: That that That's really what it was. I – Saw nine eleven. It took took place what on on a Tuesday. Yeah, I, I got married that following Saturday, and then uh, talked to the recruiter the following week. So my wonderful wife, who, who was marrying a up and coming rising superstar, you know making decent money, found herself a couple months later than married to you know Private Ross, who we had to liberate MREs at the end of the month to make sure we we had food. Uh, but that was a good time, and glad I did it. It was something I had to do, and yeah, had had tons of fun.
1: So why weapons, Sergeant? Why was that the field oh, well, I, you chose to go into?
0: I grew up um, you know, in the gun culture. I started going to gun shows when I was a kid. I always loved weapons.
1: Pennsylvania um, also is, is really big in that culture. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's what we would do, you know, for, for fun. Um, go to gun shows and hang out with my buddies and 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 play with weapons. When I actually after I was selected, um they told me that they wanted me to be a a delta, an 18 delta, a a medic sergeant. So I, I knew better. I knew, well, I don't know if that's for me, but I, you know, I tried it and I made it almost to the completion of the delta course. I, I uh, am a soccer medic, but then, um, I washed out during the the surgeries portion of that, that's, uh, that school, which is at the very end. I had like three weeks left of the class uh, of that course. And, uh, then thankfully they, saw something still redeeming in me and sent me to where I wanted to go to begin with over to the Bravo committee. And thank goodness, cause I have had lots of fun uh, doing that.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh and, and just growing up with guns, it was like, you knew that this was going to yeah. be my specialty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There was, um, going through the, the weapons course. And you know, there were times when the instructors, I noticed they were putting out incorrect information about some of the specifics of some of the weapons. It's just, you know, I thought it was funny here. I thought I was going to the world's premier small arms school, and uh yeah, because I've been around the stuff my whole life, I was picking up on some of the stuff that wasn't quite accurate. But anyway,s it was a good school, good time. That's
1: cool. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because you know Brandon, who's CEO of the company, uh, sniper instructor, he didn't grow up around weapons. Has talked about that, and I think just in the military learned that this was something he had a gift at doing, mm-hmm. and I think that's. That's what happens. Sometimes I guess you do go in and you know, this is something I'm skilled at. This is an interest of mine. And for other guys, you know, they pick up on something new, I guess. Yeah. Which is cool to see. Um, You were telling me that you just ended a six-month deployment in August to Jordan. And we get a lot of, you know, different backgrounds in here with Afghanistan, with Iraq. Mm -hmm. I don't know a whole lot about Jordan. So I'd like
0: to hear all about that. (laughs) Okay. Um give you a little bit more about my background and then i'll I'll get into that go for it um so i i uh was with fifth group up until july of 2012 and as soon as i left fifth i immediately joined 20th group which is one of the national guard groups and that's who i'm still with and uh, i've been able to do some some fun stuff with them and and that was with 20th group that i just did this uh, deployment um to jordan and that was it's a very different deployment compared to everything else that I've done in the past, the J sets and other stuff that, that I've done. It was, it was interesting. I'm over there for you know a good period of time, you know, six months. Got to work with a lot of the, um, well, a lot of the Jordanians, and um, in neat, neat people, neat, neat place, uh, and a very. I didn't realize how pivotal it was to you know as an ally um, for us until I was there and starting to see some of the stuff there on the ground. Um, one of the things that since we were national guard what we were really able to do is we were able to free up some of the uh my brothers in fifth group allow them to uh, who were there as well to go do a little bit more exciting things um so we were uh we were picking up one of their old missions as far as training some of uh some of the locals um i don't ask me a question i'm just wondering if there's met? any
1: cool war stories there uh, and
0: Nah, not, not, any, not anything really that I feel comfortable talking about um, as far as cool war, war stories.
1: Is it also because you're still active duty, you kind of have to be careful about what you could talk about?
0: Yeah, yeah there's, there, there's definitely that too. Um,
1: yeah. Is, the, is there any stuff in the past from uh, combat experience you can get into?
0: Uh, sh- sure. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't have to think about that. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, that that question, and I'll I'll uh, I'll get to that. But what I realize is, is how important Jordan, at least with that trip, how important Jordan is to us, um, and keeping that area free and, and keeping that area stabilized. Um, if we pull out, if we, we lose our relationship with them, then it, it's it's uh, the whole place can just spiral out of control. Um, King Abdul is a really good uh, ally. Yeah, to, th- to the U.S.
1: I, I remember when um, all the stuff was coming about out about Kim King Abdul's background. There was like a lot of praise in uh, you know just the social media field mm-hmm. and all that from from probably more so people on the right for what he's done and, and his whole background. Yeah. What, what do you think of his background?
0: Oh, he's he loves soft, um, so he's put a lot of money in trying to develop and trying to upgrade. Um, his country's a soft element he's put a lot of money and we've supported him in, in building up Kasadic which is the big training center there uh, where they every nation uh, in that area that's reputable that they come in there and they train they also hold the international he supported and had built the international uh, warrior um, uh, what do you call called international warrior competition annually and my uh, some of the guys from my team and myself were uh, we participated in that uh, this year uh, and that was an interesting experience uh, being able to represent and, and to participate in, in that kind of an environment it was uh, what exactly kind of, is that well we really didn't know we were kind of all told a few weeks before it took place that that we wanted they wanted a team to uh, to represent us so we uh, did what we could to prepare for it but it was really a lot more of a um, a lot more like a, a, I don't know, American Ninja Warrior with, with guns as opposed to actually real, uh, you know, um, I think a real test of, of soft capabilities. So, a lot of countries that treated it like a game and stuff, they did really well while they were there. Uh, China is one of the ones that I think that they won it this year. Not I think that they won it this year. And because they, they treated it like a game and cut a lot of corners and did uh, interesting stuff. An example. Um, so, one of the, uh, one of the, um, problems or one of the uh, the uh, stages was you had to send in a small man team go into a multi-story building engage all of the, the shoot targets uh, wearing pro masks and there's you know smoke in there and then uh, rescue uh, a body which was a dummy and, and recover it and pull it out so us and other units took it pretty serious we're wearing our real pro masks and we're wearing you know real canisters and going in there but then you have other teams like you know well, like the, the before mentioned one, uh, go in with airsoft masks with uh, with canisters with holes punched through it so they can breathe through it. You know, so they have the appearance of, but they're, they're treating it like like a game. Um, and so that was interesting to to see that kind of uh, that that uh, the, the way they they, they treated stuff. Um, the biggest compliment I think I received that week, and some of our other guys uh, received that week, is we just completed a stage. We were tired. Um, the other guys just completed a stage, and we're walking past some, um I believe they're Greek Greek uh, special forces. I
1: Yeah, we have a Greek guy on okay. our staff, Bill. Um, th- there's the amphibious raiders battalion. I'm, 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 I'd have to look at his background okay. again because I've mentioned it before, but, yeah, there is Greek soft, of course.
0: But, so as we're walking by, I kind of nodded, and he kind of nodded, and then they stopped, and the guy came over to me, and he pointed at me, and he said, Hugh, operations, me, operations. China uh, <laughs> I like that. whatever you know just kind of nonchalantly because they were you know not treating it for real and, and as a consequence we're winning
1: i'm looking at uh bill's background or, or Vasilis, from our staff who's a five year greek soft veteran we definitely check out his articles but he served in 35th mountain raiders battalion and the zeta amphibious raiders battalion so that was, was someone so yeah they do cool. have their soft yeah. uh background which is which is uh cool to see even though they're not necessarily combat veterans a lot of the time because not a lot happening in Greece, in, in terms of that, at
0: least. Yeah, but, you know, the, he was the real deal. And that thats really was the coolest thing. The competition, eh, whatever, but the coolest thing was being able to meet – and hang out with, and just you know, interact a little bit with a lot of these really good soft guys from from around the world. That's yeah, I think cool. that that it's
1: just it's a global community, and I've seen that ever since coming on board here. Um, it's it's more than just America, Canada. You know, uh, you can't see it in the stream. Which, by the way, if you're checking out the stream, I apologize for the darkness here. Uh, I don't I don't know what's up. It was like lighter before, and then I changed around <laughs> some setting. I'm gonna have to uh, fuck around with, but anyway, it's all me. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't know, but like up on here, you guys can't see it in the stream, but we have like the Polish Grom, who Brandon has has worked with, and yeah, it's just it's cool to see that there's that global presence. Yeah, Grom, there's some good guys. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard heard a lot of great stuff. Um, So for those of you watching the stream once again, because I know there's people jumping in and out, I'm here with Jared Ross, Green Beret, Weapons Sergeant, still active duty. Uh, I'm getting a ton of questions coming in, and you know we 'll get into your current background or current um, happenings right now with Rockwell Tactical because I do want to hear about that okay but i'm looking at some questions coming in uh, and actually a few from our staff uh, like christian prosser the uh, the gear guy in me uh, needs to ask the s f medic what are his preferred tourniquets and <laughs> what are there uh, are there any that he considers junk gear? And that's just marketed well. Good question.
0: That is a great question. Uh he wants to start some fist fights, I'm sure. You can get two <laughs> deltas in the room and uh same background, same experience, and they'll fight all day about what's best. Me, I really like the wide soft tees. Um that's what I carry and I, I like it one because it's it's wide, it's it's easy to use, but it's it's all metal. Um, the most popular ones out there are the cat tourniquets, and cats are great for what they are when they're new out of the package. I've just seen so many of them exposed to sunlight. They get brittle, and, and they snap, and they break. So I, I really like the wide soft. Um, I also like, though I know it's not popular with a lot of people, the, the SWAT tea. I like that because I think it's a really good jack-of-all-trades. You can have that, that child who, you know, their legs are, are this big around that these normal tourniquets, they, they won't work on, on them because they're, they're too big. And you can use that, that uh, SWAT tee on a child. You can use it on, on a, a canine, on an animal. Um, you can also use it on really large people. And it's a good jack-of-all-trades. It's not perfect, though. If you don't apply it correctly, then it can slip. Um, but those are probably my two favorite ones that I like. Um, there, there's so, How's
1: that? Good question from Christian. Um, Scott Whitner, who's also from the site. And we do have other people watching, of course, but uh <laughs> those are the guys asking questions, so I want to get to them. Uh yes, yeah, Scott Whitner, who's a huge gear guy, uh, says uh, ask him about his preferred weapons platforms in EDC. Good question, you, <laughs> you definitely are a gear guy.
0: Yeah, um EDC, I like uh that's a good question. I prefer the M I, I like the MP in nine. Um, that's what I usually carry. Obviously, I yeah, <laughs> feel, in New York, feel right? naked because I, I left the great state of Pennsylvania to, to come here today. And, yeah, very <laughs> to naked. the police state of that, New York. Darn right. Um, so I, I like carrying that, but then also uh, for the longest time, and I still carry quite often, a Glock 19. I'm not uh, a really huge fan of, of, of the Glock platform. They're just like an AK, though. They're, they're a workhorse, and they'll, they'll go all day long. One of the primary reasons that I've carried the Glock for so long is because... Seventy-five percent of all of our students, whether it's military, law enforcement, or or civilians, are carrying Glocks. So I just need to make sure I'm, you know, a master of of carrying that. Um, so, Brandon Webb is
1: uh, carries the Glock. He yeah. says that the main reason is that the, one of the main reasons, I'm sure, it's not the only, is that there's no safety. He's like, I, I don't like having a safety.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the same with the M&P. At least the one I carry doesn't have a safety. Yeah. Um, so that's as far as pistols. Those are my two favorite ones. Uh, I there's a small company by me in Pennsylvania called Viper Holsters. Uh, he's a custom Kydex maker, um, and I'm sure his quality is just as good as, as a lot of other ones. He just happens to live close to me, and I really like his stuff. He has what he calls a hybrid holster, and that's the one I have I use most often. It's a Kydex holster that has leather um, attached to, to the one side on the outside, so it's nice when I'm carrying appendix or whatever to have the leather up against, you know, my skin or my body instead of the Hard Kydex, so that's my preferred holster. And in fact, with this last trip, um, I carried more concealed there and uh, much more low profile than than really any other trip that i've been on and that's what i awesome
1: (laughs) this is the beauty of not being in an actual studio is that you know you hear the sounds of new york in the background so
0: that that, that's what i used was, was that you know that holster and then of course um see some other specific stuff there's another company i believe in oregon called snake eater okay and they make some good pouches and stuff they make a really really cool um mag pouch for, for pistol and it's one of those uh i don't know like the yoga stretchy pants i don't know the material but it's you know, so it's really tight okay but what's nice is he also has a weave of kydex in there so there's a little bit of form to it enough form so it's easy to put magazines in but also stiff enough so if i need to like charge my my pistol i can use it it'll, it'll catch and and uh you know, use it on the sites or whatever so i i dig that i, I carry that as well um and then Always have at a minimum a um, a SWAT T on me. Uh, if and then depending on where I'm going, I might have more medical stuff for my EDC. So there's a little bit of my EDC.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm clearly here in the studio with the gear guy, which is awesome. So if you have any gear questions, I think this is the guy to ask. Um, and we have people watching on YouTube, on Twitch. So I'm looking at all the questions. On YouTube, Master Chief uh, 167 uh, asks, and this is a good one from what you were saying earlier, can soft guys easily pick each other out in other countries?
0: (laughs) Uh, That's a good question. If I say yes, then it means we're good because we're we're that highly trained. If I say no, that's because we're good because we blend in. Um, I guess it really depends. From my experience, it depends on what we're doing um, and the environment that we're in
1: yeah so it's not like I, I mean I feel like some guys be like you could just smell it on some guy that he's seen combat he's seen some action or you know yeah i would assume
0: it it depends on the individual yeah um one of my buddies i won't won't mention his name, but um one of my buddies from from fifth group who's done a lot, if I didn't know that, I would just think he's just a, a nice old family man with a bunch of kids. I would have had no idea that he's had so many uh He's been in so many direct action missions and the guy just he just blends in um so really I guess it depends on on the individual
1: it's cool um I'm looking at all the comments <coughs> out here we apparently have friends of yours watching so oh me. yeah yeah Matt Sadoon says yo Jared long time no see glad to see you doing well cool yeah we have big Phil campion watching um so yeah keep the questions coming I'm gonna check them out I'm gonna see what you guys uh, want to ask but of course i want to get into what you're doing right now you're currently the founder and head instructor at rockwell tactical Mm -hmm. based out of central pennsylvania which we were just talking about bringing principal train, uh it brings principal based training to Mm -hmm. students i should say Uh, and by the way the website is rockwelltactical.com i'll give that out again um but yeah get into how you started this company and and just the origin of it and what you guys are doing
0: sure um it really goes along with, with just who I am, and you know all my my past experiences. Um, I'll start with when I was going through the Q course at, at Bragg. We lived off post, and um, I went in one morning to go to PT, and I you know left my wife. We had a couple of small kids at the time, and uh, she wished me well. I left. She was almost asleep when she heard uh, somebody trying to break into the house. And because we had talked and because she grew up actually in, in Staten Island and she didn't grow up around firearms. But when we were dating, her attitude was kind of like, well, I kind of like you. I guess I'll tolerate the firearms. <laughs> I guess I'll tolerate you taking me to the range. And then um, when we were married, it was the same attitude. Eh, I guess I kind of like you. I kind of want this marriage thing to work. So I'll put up with and I'll tolerate the firearms in the house and and, and learning how to use them and stuff just because you're so insisting in it. So I'm gone. Five thirty or so in the morning. And she hears the noise. And because I had worked with her and because we had talked about stuff, she immediately knew what to do and she grabbed the Mossberg shotgun from underneath the bed. She knew she had to get out of the bedroom and she had to walk down the hall to be a barrier to prevent anyone who's coming in the house to getting into the hallway and possibly getting to our, our children's uh, bedrooms. Um and if they're in the hallway, then she wouldn't even be able to shoot because she'd be afraid to possibly missing them in, you know, and hitting the, the children's bedrooms. So she walked on down the hall and luckily for her and luckily for, for them, um, they had a lookout looking through one of our windows into the living room and saw the hallway and saw this pissed off redheaded woman walking down the hall with a shotgun. He yelled and she heard them take off and run. So she posted herself there, got out on the um, phone, called nine one one, waited for the cops to arrive. And, uh, yeah, the, the door they're trying to get in was open. And, um, basically if she would have hesitated at all, it would have been a very different morning because they were, they were the door was open. They were, had already made their, their entry. They could have, you know, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. So with that experience, I became pretty passionate about teaching and, um, and preparing people. Uh, I uh, finished the Q course, was active with, with Fifth Group, and I came home to Pennsylvania on leave. And a buddy of mine knew I was there, a friend from you know from growing up. And he said, hey, man, you, you're a Green Parade can you meet me at this range and show me some stuff? So I agreed and I met him there, but he told a friend who told a friend who told a friend. friend. So I show up expecting me and my buddy and his me and like 10 other guys. So it was my very first kind of like impromptu class where I started teaching these guys. So then it just became a habit. Every time I came home with pass or leave, I would contact him or some other people and we would get together and, um, and I would teach them stuff. I realized there's a huge vacuum in that area in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of really good instructors and companies teaching NRA stuff, and that's good for what it is. But as far as like more advanced stuff, there's a pretty big vacuum there. So late 2010, I decided to, to take a chance, created the company, incorporated, and started doing all the logistical work to, to build um, in preparation for me leaving active duty. And I left July of 2012. And then when I got back, spent the rest of 2012 getting stuff set up and then 2013 is when we really started um, building the rockwell classes and started teaching and since then every year we've just you know taught more classes um taught more variety of stuff i started at first as just a lot of soft guys a lot of my buddies who were helping me and then um the past couple years i started reaching out to, to other people so now we have some law enforcement working for us uh some marines working for us I even, you know, lowered myself and got a, an army ranger now, you know, working with us. He's he's a really good dude. Um, but just tried to, you know, to grow the company and become more well-rounded. So that's kind of, you know, how we started.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the story with your wife is absolutely crazy, but it's interesting that it took that to make you want to go into the field because it's actually a pretty natural fit. I mean, we have so many guys on the podcast who are former soft mm-hmm. and then do start these training facilities. So it's like a natural thing to do. Yeah. But I guess maybe that was like the kick in the ass that I could do a good job with this. Cause you know, you're training someone from absolutely no experience to being able to handle a worst case scenario.
0: And that's, that's really what it was. Um, with that experience, I became very passionate. Uh, we're all, citizens of the greatest country on earth yeah. and just because i've have this background and uncle sugar has paid for my training doesn't mean i'm i'm better than than anybody else so that's you know you read our, our catchphrase that our principle-based training that's what we're trying to teach is these correct principles And i'm trying to get good training out the out the good people because if and when that moment arise in, in, in someone's life like my wife i want them to be able to handle it i want them to be able to you know defend themselves and defend their loved ones my wife that morning even though she didn't have to shoot she experienced combat in a very emotional, um, psychological, and very physical way, um, similar to anything I've experienced overseas. Um, she luckily didn't have to pull the trigger, but but she would have if those guys would if she would have saw them. they hadn't been for that lookout, she was ready to just start pumping and, and, and clicking and wow. and you know, eliminate that threat.
1: What you were saying about the NRA instructors in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. I could relate because I am by no means like a big firearms guy, but I own a shotgun because I live on Long Island and I'm actually allowed to do that. I don't live here in the city. Um, so this was prior to being with soft rep. You know, I just I wanted to make sure I was at least sufficient on the very basics. Uh, got an NRA instructor, took a couple of classes and then was good to go. The interesting thing for me, though, was, you know, this guy definitely knew his shit, was able to show me, you know, what to do in terms of the basics. Uh, but, look, not like a fit guy by any means. <laughs> and it, and then starts talking about, well, if you need to clear a room and blah, blah, And I'm starting to think to myself, because this was prior working at software, but I did know some soft guys just who I knew from radio. And I feel like unless you've been there and you've done that, I, I don't. That you're not really the type of person I want to hear from on that because you don't really know how you would react in that scenario. You're probably just repeating something you heard from someone who is an actual expert. Like, mm-hmm. if I want to go to that extent with training, I want to hear from you or Jeff Gonzalez or our friend Jason Delgado. Those are the guys who could tell me, you know, what you could do in those scenarios. I would think.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's why it's important to have the background that you do to to train people with the proficiency that you do well
0: one of the things I've I've done too is I've um once I went, was joined on with 20th I started volunteering in teaching at at cephalic which I don't know if you're familiar with that but yeah. that's the uh special forces advanced urban combat okay um and we hold that three times a year so I started you know already knew how to do stuff but but going there and you learn so much more as an instructor so I started learning more stuff more things there um and I we, I was able to do it a couple times a year, so I was with that experience. I've taken you know, some of the classes. Some things we do is teaching people, you know, with the example of my wife, how to clear rooms and how to uh, defend themselves in case there, there's a home invasion. The smartest thing usually to do is to stay put in a room, and you know that's probably the safest thing to do. But there are different circumstances. Like with my wife, there are uh, um, you know kids. You need to get to those bedrooms. You need to take care of those kids. You need to protect your 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 loved ones. So there's a time and a place for that civilian to move. And, and that's what I've done. And that's what some of our classes have done. We've taken those principles that I've, I've learned on, on the operation side. And then we've applied them to, you know, as an individual, how a person can clear their home or how a, a couple, i.e. a husband and wife can, can work together to to safely clear their house. And that's exactly what, you know, what you're saying. That That's what we've done with a lot of our classes, try to take that real world experience and things that we know that work in that environment, and then tailored and, and tweak it a little bit to uh, to work in a civilian environment.
1: Well said, man. So, once again, the uh, the website, if you want to get trained by Jared and, and your group, it's rockwelltactical.com, facebook.com slash rockwelltactical, at rockwelltactical on Instagram. And as we're wrapping things up here, I'd like to get some more questions because people love hearing um, from someone who really knows their shit on weapons and. Asking the questions. So um, Donald Rutledge, do y'all use a number four shot in the Mossberg? <laughs>
0: uh, that's a good question. Uh, we well well depends. Um, and what application you talking about. If for classes, we use all sorts of stuff. A bird shot for a lot of stuff until we get specific for patterning and some of the other drills. But for, for home defense, use you know, there's a lot of different options. Use what, what works best for you.
1: Cool, um, you know it's funny. Someone is commenting on, on the darkness of the studio. I'm, I'm doing a uh, Power of Thought podcast with Brandon later. Hopefully, I can figure this all out. So, I do apologize once again for how dark the, the studio itself is. Actually, not that dark. It's the uh it's it's the settings on the camera. Um, but I'll see if there's anything else coming in. Um, as i said, there's people who know you on here, which is pretty cool. Um, Oh, what's your favorite long-range rifle? That's from Don Bonnet.
0: <laughs> I'm not a long-range guy. Okay. I've never been to Sotic. Um We have a couple guys that, that, that I specifically have uh, brought on Rockwell that teach long-range stuff. Everything that I've done has been uh, CQB or, or you know, mid-range stuff. Um, so I'm, I don't feel qualified to, uh, to answer, hey, this is the best thing out there.
1: Cool. Hey, right. well, that's that's good. Right. I think it's important to know what your lane is, and and I mean, are there people that you think are the go to guys? If,
0: if for yeah, those? Jason is one of them. he's yeah. he's a really good guy. Um, and then yeah, I'll use his name. There's another guy who's going to say, but, <laughs> but 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 he's a little bit more protective than I am since he's still uh, uh, operational.
1: Well, you do have people who who might become clients because uh, Nathan Sander is saying he's interested in classes. If you're in the PA area, go for it. And he asks, "Do you do any other CQB training?"
0: Uh, yes, we do stuff that we've um, dedicated classes for law enforcement. Uh, we do CQB training, like I've said, a lot of different classes, one day, two day, multiple days, um, with teaching different principles of, of CQB, basically for you know for uh, a husband and a wife or, or for defending the home. I don't know of any specific laws, but there's there's a line there, the one that I'm not willing to cross. As far as teaching everybody, um, I'm not going to teach four man CQB just to, to everybody. I'll, I'll save that for you know the military or for or for law enforcement. So we primarily get into one and, and two man. You know, again, a husband and wife clearing and, and defending their
1: their home. All right, you told me that I could go back to it at some point. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up, any good combat stories? <laughs> uh, I'll tell one. Go for it. People love one. this stuff, so.
0: and and this is one that. Um, if ever there's a scene of my life that I want to see in a movie, th- th- this is it. This was Iraq and this would have been 2004. And um I was wasn't yet soft. I was still uh still 82nd. And um we had set up an improvised blocking position and it was just me and a couple guys in one Humvee, another couple guys in a Humvee and we were basically um had funneled people through and we were checking out cars just randomly. And this was back in the days when we didn't have, at least we didn't have gun trucks, we didn't have up armored. This was like cargo Humvees with Mad Max armor welded on and uh, I had a saw. And being the guy that I am growing up reading all the, the um Vietnam books, uh, one of the things I learned from those old timers in Vietnam is that some guys would have a 20 round or a 30 round mag loaded with nothing but tracers like a team leader or someone so if they get into a firefight they use the tracers to you know to mark a target where everyone would direct their fire just a technique so me being the crazy kid that I was I had my 200 round saw drum and I had manipulated the rounds so like the first 30 40 rounds was straight tracer and then like every other round was tracer and then kind of um near the end of it it was normal one and four and then like the last 10 rounds again was straight tracer so I know the drum was just about out so I had this this drum and it was it was dark out and um, it was kind of boring, cars coming by, and then about 300 meters up the road, some guys didn't know we were there, and there was a car with a driver and two shooters. The shooters got out, they went into a cafe, and, and because there's so much going on, we didn't see them either. And um, then they went to a cafe and assassinated somebody. So we heard the, the AK rounds going off. We saw them jump in the car, and they came cruising towards us. So then as they're, they're coming towards us, somebody yelled to stop. They didn't stop. So then um, I lit them up with the saw. So, again, it was like straight laser beams, nothing but tracers into the car. And so there's this big volume of noise and then silence. And what was was crazy is, I don't know if you guys can see in there, but the the Humvees were were kind of set diagonal. So there's a lot of noise and then no noise and this car just slowly creeped by, shot up full of holes, slumped over bodies, all the, the tracers burning inside so this orange glow, and you just saw, you know, stuff dripping out of out of things as this car slowly uh creeped by and all of us like you know just wow. in, in awe, you know, holy crap, as this thing just slowly creeped by, then stopped at a at a curb when it finally came to rest. Um so that was that was that was pretty wild.
1: I and, knew I'd get a badass uh combat story and, out of you man the, uh, i mean i'm sure there's a lot of it. The, the, the,
0: the, the epilogue to that one uh the after story is when okay we, when we cleared the car there uh was an air freshener in there and uh so there was three holes in this air freshener and there's this stuff on it so i might have liberated the air freshener i might have put it in my own car and occasionally had people driving hey do you smell that what's it smell like And they'd sniff and I, I go i don't know orange no it smells like death and uh <laughs> That's that's what I did.
1: That's that's a nice little, um, I guess you would say, souvenir from pretty awesome time. (laughs) Um, You know, we're also on Twitch, so I'll get to uh, maybe one last question here, unless there's other good ones. By the way, it's it's brighter (laughs) now because the sun came out, uh, so you guys could actually see what we look like. Uh, The donut goon who has been watching every time we're on Twitch, which we which we appreciate. uh, What do you think would be the best setup for a patrol rifle? I work in law enforcement. And i am looking to put a better kit together instead of just a vanilla AR.
0: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I know a lot of law enforcement, a lot of departments, though, it's dictated to them what they can and what they can't have. Um, but with your patrol rifle, you definitely want a flashlight uh, of some kind. And and I won't get into specifics whether you know a Surefire or, or, or something else. There's there's good flashlights out there, but definitely get a flashlight. Um, definitely get a two point sling. I've used. The Vickers or the Blue Force, I've used the Proctor Sling, mm-hmm. and I, I dig the Proctor Sling. I, I like that one. Uh, Frank, he's a he's a pretty cool guy. Very cool. Um, and I've also used the uh, the VTAC Sling, and they're all pretty much the same sling, just a different flavor of uh, the same type of thing. So you get a good two-point sling. I'm a really big fan of the Grip Stop. Uh, it's greatest hand stop out there now maybe tomorrow someone might invent something better but for the past couple of years the grip stop is the greatest hand stop uh, hands down on on a rifle any any more patrol rifles the rifles themselves they don't look right unless you have a grip stop on it um so there's just a couple things to do it make sure you get um some kind of a flash hider i like smith vortex on mine because it, it's a fighting gun it's a your patrol rifle you're not going to be using it in competition so there's no need to have a brake on it or something that's going to throw the big um uh, ball of flame out there so you know, get a get a flash hider and on top of that you'll know, get a good uh, red dot um of course there's the, the aim points are real popular i've used an eotech forever on my work guns um i know they got a pretty bad you know people are pretty you know have they have a bad rep right now and um i guess they're going away but i haven't had any issues with mine though a lot of people have had issues with theirs also uh, there's a newer company called hollow sun it's a foreign company um and they make some some okay optics and uh on this last trip i actually had a hollow sun that i was expecting to destroy and we put it on some of our work guns and a lot of different guys on my team used it and and, uh, just to test it out And it it actually held up really well hollow sun is very cost effective too um, so you'll get some kind of a sight like that.
1: I was going to say, as you, as you're talking, sorry about the sun. Now all of a sudden being in your eyes, should I should I close these? As we're uh, you all right? I'm good. Okay, yeah, it's man. just funny. We went from being too dark to now it's, now it's like super light. bright. <laughs> Fuck, man, we got we got to get good lighting in here. Um, we have more questions coming in, so yeah. I figure we'll get to them. Why not? Um, exactly. Don Bonnet, best home defense weapon.
0: Best home defense weapon. I'm going to cop out on that your best home defense weapon is the weapon you know how to handle the best. Um, at the time, the best thing for my wife to use was that, that shotgun because she knew it the best. Um, now she's actually very comfortable because after that experience, she was born again hard, so she carries all the time, and she's she's pretty good. Um, so now she actually she would use her, her pistol. She she likes an M&P as well. So that's what she'd go for. For myself, I would go for my AR. I know my AR better than than any other weapon system I can use it better and I have ammunition appropriate to be use inside the house with it so that's that's what I go to um and I think that that's probably the best answer I can give the best firearm the best weapon for for home defense is the one that you know and that you can handle the best
1: well said um James C do you uh James C Horn do you travel to other states for classes and if I have a local range can a class be set up there
0: yes yes nice. So far, uh, even though we're based in Pennsylvania, so far we've been as far north as New Hampshire, south as Florida, and west as Colorado to do classes. And we're always looking to to go and meet new people and have a good time.
1: We have a, a very silly question up here on YouTube, and <laughs> I'll, I'll ask it. Why not? Sure, why not? Sean Dunn asks if I train with a 22 caliber caliber version of a 556 rifle that I have, does that make me gay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm. Well, no, no. It, <laughs> right. it doesn't make you gay.
1: And, and hey, here at Soft Rep, we have love for everybody. So no uh, no disrespect. Um, all right. I think that covers a lot there, man. Okay. Check out rockwelltactical.com, facebook.com, slash Tactical on Instagram at rockwelltactical. Let me take a sip of my water here before I tell you about, like, all the awesome stuff that we have going on currently. So... Wanted to let you guys know, of course, as I do every episode, that as a reminder for those listening, for those watching the live stream, for a limited time, you can receive a 50% discounted membership to SoftRep TV, our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews. Covering the most exciting military content today. SoftRep TV's premiere show Training Cell follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to SoftRep TV, and that's at SoftRepTV.us. Go there right now. Uh, and take advantage of a limited-time offer of 50% off your membership. So that's only $4.99 a month. Then, of course, you know, we've been speaking about gear this whole time. We have the SoftRep Crate Club. Uh, You're definitely going to want to check that out ASAP. It's a subscription to get a box of badass tactical and survival gear delivered to your door every month. Of course, no firearms. I don't don't think that would really work. I mean, firearms accessories we have sent, Mm -hmm. but... uh, you know, I, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but we were surprised by this. We have a ballistic shield for a backpack that could stop any round. We were able to send that out to every state except for Connecticut. Connecticut, there's a law that you can't have... Um, you you basically can't have, like, a ballistic shield. You can't have um, any, sh- you know, any shield that's going to stop bullets. It's hmm. some law from a while ago. Um, and, yeah, so we had to send them a... Uh, we, we basically had to send them a go-bag instead of, you know, which is cool, too. Yeah. But it, it's—you you, you know better than anyone with these gun laws. Like, every state has their own weird little laws that you have to follow. But I never thought that you couldn't send a, um, you know, armor. And that's what it is, that you can't really have armor in Connecticut. Never would have thought that that was the case. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just an interesting story about stuff that we've sent. And the kicker, of course— is all of the gear is handpicked and tested by former Special Ops guys, so you know you're getting quality gear that's going to work when you need it to. Crates we've sent in the past have included gear like custom knives, multi-tools, fire starters, EDC med kits, and other kick-ass stuff. You don't just get great gear with your subscription. You're also supporting a veteran-owned and run company. To subscribe and start getting your gear, visit crateclub.us. We also have gift options available. That's CrateClub dot us it's been awesome hanging with you jared any other stuff that you uh want to mention before we wrap this up any any tips to to end this off
0: Mm, oh i will mention this uh there is a really cool place whether you train with us or you can actually uh um if you have your own group or whatever you can actually rent the place but it's a newer place up in northern pennsylvania called the shooter's gauntlet and it's about two square miles of training space they have an 1100 yard long range they're putting in a 1500 yard long range that should be completed in a couple months multiple ranges and it's where we do all of our more advanced stuff um you know car stuff in cars through cars night stuff with night vision jungle walks the the owner of the place said hey as long as it's legal you can do whatever you want here i don't care blow up a car i could care less as long as it's legal so i know um there's other people who are listening and who are watching who, who have their own training thing. And that's a good resource. So check those guys out, talk to, talk to the owner. That might be a place. Um, um, I know we use it a lot, but it might be a place for some of these other, other individuals or other companies to check out and and use as well.
1: Awesome. Well, hope you guys are getting prepped for your new year. Enjoyed Christmas and all that. And, uh, we'll be back on, you know, Wednesday. You'll see a new episode up. Appreciate you coming in. Happy to. Thank you. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. For all of the great content from our veteran journalists, join us and become a Team Room member today at softrep.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at softrepradio. And be sure to also check out the Power of Thought podcast, hosted by Hurricane Group CEO and Navy SEAL sniper instructor, Brandon Webb.